There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, November 15th. I'm Mark Dent here with Rob Litterst, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to talk about tipflation. According to Pew, Americans are tipping more than ever, and yet they hardly ever know when to tip or how often to tip. To be blunt, it's a confusing mess, and we're going to try to make sense of it. But first, let's catch up on everything else making headlines in the world of business and tech. Some good news at the top. Inflation is cooling. Prices in October were barely higher than they were in September, with an annual increase at the lowest rate Americans have seen since March 2021. The primary culprits behind this good news? Falling prices on gas, cars, and airfare. Moving on, Nepal is the latest country to ban TikTok, saying the social media app was disrupting, quote, social harmony. Nepal and its 2.2 million TikTok users had seen 1,600 TikTok-related cybercrime cases in the last four years. All right, in travel news, there may be relief coming for people who visit New York and realize that it takes forever to get from the airport to wherever it is you're going. So long. Last weekend, Joby Aviation and Volocopter held demos of their electric air taxis. So Joby estimates that its service could reduce travel time from Manhattan to JFK Airport to just seven minutes, which is approximately, oh, I don't know, an hour less than it takes on the subway. Okay, while we're still on the subject of numbers, put down the calculator because Venmo is rolling out groups. This is a new feature that lets users track and split ongoing group expenses. The company says the feature will be widely available in the coming weeks. It sounds great on paper, but every single friend group slash family group definitely has that inevitable person that doesn't have Venmo, the group pariah, if you will. And honestly, like I feel like if you don't have Venmo now, you're never going to have Venmo because now it's kind of like part of your identity and it's like a badge of honor. I have a few people in my life that don't have Venmo and they're kind of on my list forever just because (laughs) like I have to go to the ATM for like the only time that I have to go all year just to pay them back for something. Yeah, and in fairness, there was also already Splitwise and people could do this. Granted, it wasn't as easy as just having it on Venmo, but hey, already exists and it won't change the person in the group who buys something for like $3 for the whole group and then (laughs) puts it on there and expects everyone to contribute like 46 cents or something like that. Exactly. It'll get rid of that shame. All right. So here's a question for you guys, especially for people who grew up in the 90s. Where is Mrs. Frizzle? Obviously of the magic school bus, the person who made so many of us love science. There's a new poll out from Pew that says 57% of Americans now say that science has had a mostly positive impact on society. That number is down from 73% in 2019. Finally, ESPN Bet, which is a gambling initiative from Penn Entertainment, launched yesterday. The hope for ESPN Bet is that its 10-year, $2 billion deal for ESPN branding can help it reach profitability. Perhaps you're thinking that gambling is like this huge growth industry, and it certainly has been, but it's not always easy for some of these companies. 
Penn's previous attempt at sports betting lost $923 million when it acquired Barstool Sports, and then it sold Barstool Sports back for $1. Yeah, I've been following this story super closely. I think what Penn ran into with Barstool is Penn's a public company, Mm -hmm. right? And Barstool obviously has a rabid audience. They have a very loyal following. And sometimes they don't act like the public company. They do not (laughs) act like a public company. Exactly. And you know, what's funny here is the other player in this deal, ESPN had a show. I forget what the name of the show was, but they pulled Barstool Sports into their fold. They gave them a look. They're like, Hey, we're going to do this like late night show with Barstool people. And they said something on the show that pissed ESPN off. And it literally lasted like one episode. And it's like the moral of the story here. If you're a public company, don't partner with Barstool Sports. They do their own thing. They're not always going to listen to you. It is what it is. But Penn and ESPN working together, I think this makes a ton of sense. It's honestly crazy to me how long it's taken ESPN to dip their toes in gambling. Now it's like, I can't watch a Celtics game without seeing like five different plugs for DraftKings and how much I could be winning if I bet on like some mid-game line or something like that. It's crazy. Gambling has absolutely permeated mainstream sports. And I think this is a really solid move for Penn. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't work out. I mean, you're right. With the back end of ESPN, it's just going to get more mainstream. All right, let's move on to the main story, which it's going to be about tipping. To start this off, I have a quick story that I would suspect many of you have found yourself in. A couple months ago, I was in Boston and I was at like a bookstore near Harvard Square. It was just really hot outside. I went to get a bottle of water. I think it probably cost $2.50. I pay with my credit card and then I just start pressing like the green button for okay to just keep going forward. And then all of a sudden, the price of my water went from $2.50 to $4.50 because their suggested tips things on the device in front of me must have had it as $1, $2, $3. And it was just, you know, selected with that $2. And I didn't think to press no tip because I was just like, I'm just going to press a button so I can get my receipt here. And boom, there you had it. (laughs) I had to pay basically a tip that was the same price as the bottle of water for something that did not involve a lot of hands-on service that we would tend to think of that usually comes with tips. And really, this kind of feeling that I had is extremely familiar to Americans, according to a new study by Pew. And Rob, what did this study show us? I think the term here that we're looking for is tipflation, which basically has meant that iPads pop up seemingly everywhere asking us if we want to add a tip for basically whatever we're buying. And the crazy thing about this is it's really kind of changed the expectations around tipping, I think, to making tipping more of kind of like something that is expected versus something that's like, oh, nice. That's nice of you to give us a tip. And especially in some of these places like coffee shops and stuff like that, where you're walking up to a counter where you never would have actually given a tip before, it creates a lot of confusion. Yeah, it absolutely does. And that whole kind of expectation that you were talking about there, it obviously got kind of compounded, you know, during COVID when I think it certainly was expected to be tipping more. It was obviously tough times. And a lot of us were buying different goods and services in different ways, right? It would be like more delivery or more carry out than, you know, sitting inside of a restaurant. And because we weren't sitting inside that restaurant, it was like, well, then I guess I'll tip more for those services. And I think that the goodwill that people were giving willingly has sort of almost become like a pressure now to tip in scenarios when previously we had not. A hundred percent. And so you mentioned this Pew study. This was a big study. So this surveyed 12,000 American adults, which great sample size for all of my market research geeks out there. 
A lot of statistical significance in that one. 72% say tipping is expected in more places today than it was five years ago. I think that's absolutely correct. Yep. 40% oppose businesses suggesting tip amounts to their customers, which we can absolutely get to in a second. And 72% oppose businesses, including automatic service charges or tips on the bill, which I completely understand. I think tipping should be 100% on the consumer, unless, of course, you're at a restaurant and you have a party of like, you know, six plus people that it's going to be taking up a lot of resources. But what about this opposition to businesses suggesting tip amounts? What do you think about that? Well, I think it makes sense because as I was mentioning, there is technology and Square, of course, is like the main device that people think of that you find at a lot of businesses these days where it will just pop up and it'll have options there that are like previously selected. You know, sometimes it's a percentage, sometimes it's like a dollar amount, and then you have to opt out. Right. The default is that some sort of number is selected versus like a default of not having one and then you add it on your own. So I think it's just, there's a little bit of frustration with the fact that you have to opt out to not give a tip at locations where you previously were never expected to give a tip rather than a default being zero. And then maybe you just decide to give a dollar or two. I think you nailed it. Yeah. It's a complete switch of default settings and you have to opt out while making eye contact with the person who you're not tipping. That's what makes it awkward is you essentially have to click, I'm not going to tip this, and then flip the screen back around to the person that you're not tipping. (laughs) And I think that's why a lot of people feel obligated. And if you look at this survey, 21% of the respondents say that tipping is a choice. 29% say that it's an obligation. And 49% say it depends on the situation, Yeah, which is really interesting. You know, some of these numbers do kind of bear out that while it is like a much more confusing time, I'm not sure that habits have changed necessarily all that much. It is just kind of more of frustration at the fact that you have to do like this opt out thing because, you know, this Pew survey kind of indicated that 92% of adults say that they tip through like at a sit down restaurant. I mean, that's what people have been doing for generations here in the US. No brainer. Oh, but yeah. if you're at a fast casual restaurant, it's only about 12% yeah. who say that they most often leave tips, which means that people are opting out probably. They're just not happy <laughs> that they have to do it. Right. It's kind of like the in-between stuff, I think, that is also confusing, obviously. Like coffee shops, it showed that around 25% always are often tip when buying a coffee. I'm actually in that 25%. But when I go to coffee shops, I always get like a latte. So I've always tipped because I feel like it is like preparing something like very quickly, just as you would like a drink at a bar or, you know, at a sit down restaurant or something like that. Yeah. I thought some of these responses were interesting. So 78% of people said that they tip when getting a haircut, which like that should be a hundred percent. Come on. If somebody's cutting your hair, give the person (laughs) a tip for the love of God. 76% say that they tip when they're ordering food through a delivery app, which makes sense. Got to give the delivery driver their due. 70% tip while buying a drink at a bar. And 61% say that they tip when they're using a taxi or rideshare service, which is way lower than I would have thought. Like you got to tip the person who's driving you. Well, yeah, but it's wild to me. Here's like the other thing. When we're talking about technology and I think it's rolling all of this, Square has certainly made it a little bit easier for businesses to ask for tips and probably to make consumers feel a little bit more like they have to leave a tip. However, 
I think the opposite was true for ride sharing. When Uber and Lyft first came out, it was basically known that you wouldn't leave a tip. Even though it had been the custom to do that, you'd give an extra couple of dollars if you took a cab somewhere, right? That's a great point. That wasn't how Uber and Lyft worked. And now they are. Obviously, they make it much easier to leave a tip. After you buy a ride, it basically suggests that you should leave a tip. But that wasn't the case at first. So I think that's sort of the opposite, where you have some technology that has encouraged tipping and others that have discouraged it. And I would put ride sharing in the category of discouraging it. That's a fair point. I totally forgot about that, that Uber had made it basically unnecessary to tip. There are a few other really, really interesting data points, Mark, from this survey. You ready for them? I'm ready. (laughs) So the majority, 57% of respondents tip 15% or less at a restaurant, while only a quarter say they tip 20% or more. Is that interesting to you? That seems low to me. 15% or less. It was a little lower than I thought. The or less is doing a lot of work there. I wish they could (laughs) have. The operating word, yeah. 15% has long been considered, you know, a pretty standard amount of tips. Table stakes. But it's like, well, how many are doing the or less of that 57% of Americans? That's what I'm really interested in. The other data point, the last one I've got for you, 2%, these are absolute savages, say that they never leave any tip at a sit-down restaurant. (laughs) You've got to be an absolute nut to not tip at all at sit-down restaurants. That is amazing to me. Yeah. That 2% is honestly the most shocking statistic of any of this. It's like (laughs) those people, you just got to learn to tip. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. So thank you everybody for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, go get signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We'll catch you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Al and Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.